you need to be able to change quickly, but in a way that preserves, you know, security and quality. And it's it's difficult. It's a difficult balancing act, and it can only be achieved by driving agile. You know, the agile development and release processes that include continuous quality assurance and continuous security scanning. Welcome to the Agile Digital Transformation Podcast, where we explore different aspects of digital transformation and digital experience with your host, Tim Butera, Content and Community Manager at Agile Drop. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm joined today by Linda Kahangi, Chief Information and Operations Officer at Nomadics, provider of networking technology solutions for hotels and other MDUs. In today's episode, we'll be talking about how chief information officers can navigate the new post-COVID digital reality. Welcome, Linda. Thanks for being our guest on the show today. Anything you'd like to add before we begin? No, nothing to add. Thank you for having me. So let's start with this. Since we're talking about the role of the CIO in the new post-COVID reality, let me first ask you, how has COVID and everything around COVID affected the priorities of chief information officers? And have these been evolving throughout the pandemic as well? Yeah, COVID and other outside factors have really been playing a dominating role in the priorities and timelines for CIOs um, over the last uh, you know, year and a half. I mean, early on, we all had to go way down Maslow's hierarchy of needs and really focus on the basics. How do I keep my employees safe? How do I get employees to a basic level of productivity working from home? And how can I ensure my supply chain's even functioning in this challenging uh, COVID environment? So in many ways, it felt like we were going backwards and having to go back to the basics. But on the flip side, you know, COVID has, COVID has really been kind of a transformational accelerator in many ways, too. You know, um, in 2020, you know, many cloud migration projects and other digital transformation efforts that teams might normally take 24 months to do, um, they only had a few weeks to, to do out of necessity. And, you know, so they were kind of you know, forced to, to go faster and, and um, think more quickly. And instead of being an aspiration, agility itself has really become an absolute requirement. And IT teams have had to very quickly rework their processes and infrastructure to support this. So kind of a balance, you know. Yeah, that was a good point about, about how agility has become a necessity for anybody that wants to succeed in this new reality. Yeah. yeah. So... In this line, what would you say was the most impactful change from the past year and a half for chief information officers? Really, I think uh, the COVID environment elevated and shown a really bright spotlight in the area of cybersecurity. Cybersecurity concerns, you saw them, you know, kind of entering mainstream consciousness um, with the number of high profile hacks and, and incidents that have taken place in the last year, ransomware, et cetera. And it's not just Fortune 500 companies. You know, I'm reading that 60% of small companies actually go out of business after just one major cyber attack. So really, um, in this new remote work environment, CIOs were faced with the challenge of having to secure access to company systems and resources from essentially anywhere, because employees are everywhere. They, you know, newly overloaded VPNs had to be upgraded or services moved to the cloud very quickly to make them accessible from, you know, employees' homes and other places. 
multi-factor authentication and user training, um, such as phishing and social engineering became even more critical. And, you know, really CIOs needed to, you know, not only, you know, beef up their own security teams, but really think of every person in the company as part of the security team and, and, and figure out how, you know, to get them trained and to get them in a place where they could um, contribute positively to the security environment. Yeah, like with a lot of things in digitalization and digital transformation, the people factor is super important, right? So, yes. with, so is with cybersecurity. Yes, definitely. So, yes, yeah, cybersecurity was definitely one of the top most challenges for CIOs in, in this period. So maybe what were the other big challenges that they had to face and, and how did they face them? How did they tackle them? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the biggest um, challenges for CIOs, for myself, I know, is you really had to be re in kind of reactive mode um, during the last year and a half. You know, things kept changing. The um, end game kept changing. And, you know, so you, you just you couldn't count on a certain time period where things would get back to normal. You know, the normal normal kept changing. And what was worse, you know, changes were urgent and immediate, and you had to go and put infrastructure in place without going through your normal processes, your research and analysis and business case process. You really had to make sweeping decisions and implementations without a lot of time to prepare and evaluate. And in some cases, you know, take educated risks, knowing that you might have to go and unwind um, some of these changes or um, change them in the future. You know, now the big challenge is kind of trying to transition back into more of a proactive mo mode while, you know, you're simultaneously, you know, looking at the infrastructure that was rolled out in a hurry and trying to, you know, be sure that it's secure and supportable and scalable and will meet the needs of the business going forward. And as I said, in some cases, that might mean unwinding and replacing or, um, you know, dramatically changing what you had to put in place to support the business in the last year. And I think um, another big thing that's changed is the long-term commitment to hybrid work, which has really been evolving and kind of um, become more, um, you know, prevalent, um, you know, in the last few months. I think that uh, we need to accept going forward, that we're going to have to maintain that flexible work from anywhere environment and really optimize our systems and infrastructures around that model. I think also giving employees choices for their return to work is important culturally, especially in this transition period where everyone's in a different place personally about their ability and desire to return to the office. I know we have stopped, you know, saying, oh, how are we going to return everybody to the office and get back to normal? It's this is the new normal. And, you know, as I said, we need to optimize around that new normal. Yeah, that's a good point. It's like we're already kind of transitioning into this new normal period. We didn't, didn't even know when it really happened. And now we're in it and we got to make it work somehow. And we, we also, you know, with all this new understanding of the past 18 months, we kind of have a different outlook on the future. And I'm guessing that chief information officers are also realizing that. So I guess that they're probably already preparing companies and protecting, trying to protect them as much as possible from future risks, future uncertainty, future disruption. Yeah, that's what we need to, you know, get, um, you know, ahead of the game now. We need to 
kind of prepare for the future. And, you know, in addition to going back and kind of shoring up anything that we did in a temporary way, we have to carve out time to do four things, really. You know, we really need to look at postmortem, you know, the last year and look at what we did and what worked and didn't work and make course corrections. But we also need to really focus forward, future-proof, the business by optimizing our systems and infrastructure, as I said, for the hybrid model, because it's different. You assume the normal model is, you know, accessing services from anywhere. You know, you don't uh, necessarily think of, you know, logging into VPNs that are traversing corporate networks and that sort of thing. You really have to think differently about how you give employees access to what they need. I think we also need to prepare for the next global disruption, you know, by learning from uh, what we've been through and applying, you know, those learnings to our business continuity and disaster recovery plans. In many ways, we all just went through and are still going through the biggest, most impactful business continuity um, scenario planning (laughs) that you could possibly do. So I think uh, that, you know, one of the small silver linings is all this is companies are probably more prepared than ever for future disruptions to their business and and disasters um, just because they've learned so much the hard way through this time period. And, you know, finally, I think that all of this has really taught us that uh, companies that can embrace and adopt change the quickest are the ones um, that are going to thrive. So we all just need to make that agility and that ability to change and that openness to change part of our core culture, you know, in order to be competitive in the future. Yeah, that's a great point. And we're back to agility, right? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> and also, we all know the saying that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And it's true, <laughs> it's right. true for, for companies in COVID, right? Either, either yes. you succeed and come out better on the other side, or as was unfortunately true for a lot of businesses in the past year and a half, you know, they went out of business, basically. Yes, yes, I know. So, um, yeah, nomadics, we you know, kind of decided early on we're going to use this um, time period to try to double down in R&D. We're going to, you know, up our investment and try to come out of this as strong as, as we could. And so um, that kind of added to, you know, the, the challenges that we were facing because we were trying to um, really increase our new products and, you know, um, use this time wisely. And we had to be really creative in how we did that, almost reminiscent of the early stories of Silicon Valley, you know, where you're um, developing things in garages because um, we're a hardware development company. And so, um, you know, normally we're sitting together in a lab and working on things and we had to really change and retool the way that we were able to do that. And at the same time, you know, not lose sight of the fact that we had to ramp up operations at some point once these new products were ready. And so, you know, have everything prepared for the transition. So it's been it's been an exciting but challenging year. <laughs> so for you, if I understand it correctly, one of the biggest challenges was finding the right balance between creativity and innovation on one hand and kind of managing day-to-day operations and everything on the other hand. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And that's really an age-old problem, I think, you know, um, kind of driving cost savings and efficiency and process improvement um, versus really supporting innovation and new products. It's it's a classic short versus long-term trade-off, you know, that CIOs have always had to make. 
And in many ways, you know, COVID really let us jumpstart innovation by forcing us, forcing IT departments to think differently and move quickly, but in a very short-term way, you know, at the same time, balancing that the security threats and heightened risk sensitivity have driven an environment of caution that's telling us, you know, slow down, be careful, you know, that sort of thing. So those forces are are, um, pulling against each other. And, you know, really the um, where the resolution comes is that changes, you need to be able to change quickly, but in a way that preserves security and quality. And it's, it's difficult. It's a difficult balancing act, and it can only be achieved by driving agile, you know, the agile development and release processes that include continuous quality assurance and continuous security scanning. That was um, big, you know, big focuses for us, both of those. And, um, you know, you just really need to step back. And um, when you have the ability, after all this over, CIOs also just need to step back and and think about longer term investment, because we can get really stuck on on hitting short-term numbers and um, short-term goals. But, um, you know, we really need to lay out the groundwork for all these changes. And we've, we've had to do it incrementally, one step at a time. And, you know, I know I, you know, have this burning desire to go back and chart out a big roadmap and feel like mm-hmm. I'm, you know, farther ahead than just, you know, next week. So I think we all have that burning desire to get back in front of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind of initially a kind of forced transformation, but because it happened, you know, because change was inevitable and it was happening happening now over the course of this period, we've adapted to it. And as we mentioned in the beginning, we've transitioned from being reactive to being more proactive and thinking more long-term, trying to be more innovative and kind of putting a greater focus on this rather than just uh, struggling to keep everything afloat, basically. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And do you maybe have any concrete, interesting examples from Nomadic of balancing this innovation and operations? Yeah, we really in the, you know, early on, we made investment in real-time security scanning tools and they're constantly looking for vulnerabilities and we run them on everything from development environments, production, et cetera. And that it's, it's like a safety net, you know, it gives you that comfort that you can can you know make changes quickly and that you know something is looking out after you and will tell you will tell you you know if if something has gone awry and so um that was a key piece of infrastructure we had to put in in place we also moved to weekly sprints for much of our internal system development and that includes you know weekly prioritization sessions with the business you know so that we're all focused on the most important things. And we're really more all hands on deck. You know, the lines have really blurred, I think, between IT and the business um, because, you know, they're participating so much more in this rapid development because we're constantly having to make trade-offs and prioritize. And honestly, you know, they have been much more hands-on in helping us test and helping us release. And, you know, just feels like the IT team during this period has really gotten closer to the business and more integrated through this constant communication and interaction. It's not, you know, spend months on requirement definition and sign off formally and all that. It's really, you have to have that conversation all the time, every week and and really be in sync and work together. It's, I think, been a positive thing. It's really in line with with Agile, right? With Mm -hmm. Agile principles and agility. And also what I grasped from that was that 
de-siloing is key to this balance between innovation and operations, right? You just said that the IT department just naturally got more involved with the overarching goals of the organization because they had to, they didn't have a choice. They had to change. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really key to moving quickly, you know, because mm-hmm. it's easier to get past the, the buy-ins and blockades. Everybody is really involved and in working together. So I hope it's a culture that we're able to maintain as we come out of this, because I think it's been a really positive contributor to, to the culture, you know, overall. I think so, because I think it's something that 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 has a positive impact both on customers and, and on the organization itself, meaning the people working for that organization, right? Because everybody yeah. wants to have a better working environment. Everybody wants to, to feel like their ideas and their input are valued and kind of see that reflected in the goals of the whole organization rather than just... Than just maybe working mindlessly at a computer without knowing how this contributes to anything that the organization is doing. I think it's it's a positive impact overall. Yeah, I do too. And it's kind of ironic that in these days where we're all working remotely and don't see, <laughs> you know, people in person, that this environment brought us closer together, you know. So kind of cool, but kind of ironic. <laughs> It's like, you know, you don't realize how crucial something is until it's taken away from you, right? Now yeah. now we've been kind of deprived of the majority of in-person interactions and we're seeing, we're just now seeing how key they are to our well-being, to our business performance. And, you know, we try to get them whenever and wherever we can, basically. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Awesome. Maybe as a kind of final question, what would be your number one piece of advice for those CIOs who are maybe having trouble keeping up with all of this and adapting to these new realities? Yeah, I was uh, thinking about what advice I would give. And I think that, um, you know, one of the things that uh, nags at me and I think nags at others is it's um, you, you feel like, I mean, technology and um, environment is changing so quickly and so frequently that at any given time, you know, you're going to make a decision about rolling out a new tool or infrastructure or a process or what have you. And by the time you do it, there's a dozen more tools that do the job quicker and more efficiently, you know, and maybe, you know, less expensive. And so it's easy to go back and um, second guess yourself and say, why did I not know that? Or why did I not consider that? But really, I think my piece of advice is, really that digital transformation is really a mindset. It's not a project to be finished. It's really a mindset and um, a state of constant change that's driving you to just continuously search for improvement and, and ways to do things better. And I think if you think of it in terms of the mindset versus box that you're checking, then it's easier to feel like um, you've accomplished change in mindset and that you'll be ready to move forward and make good decisions. Nice. That's an excellent piece of advice. And I think definitely the the most effective and the most successful way to go about it. Awesome. Thanks. Just before we wrap up this awesome conversation, Linda, if our listeners wanted to reach out to you or to learn more about you, what's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, you can uh, find out more about Nomadics at nomadics.com on our LinkedIn or Twitter pages and also find me on um, LinkedIn and um, via email lynda.kahangi at nomadics.com. Awesome. I'll include all all the relevant info in the show notes. And 
Thanks so much, Linda. This has been an awesome conversation. I was really glad to host you on the show today. Thank you. I enjoyed it. I appreciate it. Have a good day. You too. And to our listeners, that's all for this episode. Have a great day, everyone, and stay safe. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to check out our other episodes, you can find all of them at agiledrop.com slash podcast, as well as on all the most popular podcasting platforms. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues.